Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Preslaff. I'm Melanie Davis. I'm Justin Robertson. And I'm Ira Meacham. Tonight we are welcoming the first out gay legislator in Indiana. Senator in, in Indiana, I gotta complete that word there. Um, <laughs> Senator J. D. Ford, who will be on blooming out at the bottom of the hour. So we're really excited about having uh uh, the senator on this is mm-hmm. pretty cool stuff. But before we get over there, um, let's talk about what's kind of happening today. There's some excitement today. over in D.C. It's been a very exciting day. Yes. Um, so who knows? It's a test. <laughs> 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 the most female, most uh, yeah, yeah, LGBT, open LGBT. Uh, 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 Sworn in Senate and uh, <laughs> Congress. Congress, yeah. There we go. Uh, so yeah, so um, it's exciting. Yes, the 116th Congress will um, increase from 87 female members to a whopping 200, uh, 102. Gosh, um, and of those uh, 102, there's three openly queer um, women, and uh, that's pretty awesome. I yeah. mean, that's like in, in this era, and the voices and the votes count. Oh yeah. Yep. They're all Democrats too, and they're <laughs> all Democrats. I mean, and then you can go on for just you know, you know, religions and you know, right. a- mm-hmm. ethnic groups, and it's everything. There's the first Somali American legislator yes. yes. as well. Yeah, I was reading about her. I can't recall her name offhand, yeah, but she said, you know, 24 years ago, 23 years ago, her and her father arrived in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. as immigrants. Right. And then, you know, they returned to the D.C. airport, and she's an elected member of Congress. That's right. amazing. I saw that on Instagram. Yeah, as well. that's like crazy stuff. That's so America. That is America. And then um, Democrat Rep. Uh, Jennifer Wexton from Virginia proudly hung out a um, transgender Trans flag, flag yeah. in front of her office. Yeah, uh, I didn't read anywhere uh, what why she specifically hung out the the trans flag, um, but she she was all excited. Well, she's she's a big supporter of the yeah. LGBT community, right. and I think it was of course a little finger and a flare to oh, the rest, yeah. but also saying, hey, we're here for you. Mm-hmm. This is your capital. This is your country. These, How beautiful. We represent everybody, and yeah. I'm sure that's the you know, like I said, the first time that you know a transgender flag at least has been uh, hung outside. Exactly. A, a congressman's. Uh, I kind of want to visit now. Yes. So. Yeah, <laughs> she's from. Uh, like I said, West, or Virginia. Not West Virginia. Virginia. So that's cool. Um, so everybody else doing well? We're back. We're mm-hmm. brand yes. new year, 
1999 right now. 2019. Not 1919. That was a good I remember 1919. <laughs> yeah. Me and you were I'm just sure in you did. third grade. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you were two grades ahead of me. Took the I think it was the other way around, actually. And also, um, I want to give a shout-out to my daughter, Alicia. It's her 18th yeah. birthday today. Happy She's 18? Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is really crazy. Yeah, they just, wow. They grow up on They you. grow up so fast. Yeah. They do Aw, happy birthday. She's that's definitely great. listening. Oh, good. So that's all exciting. So I guess it's time to get over to the news. we got a lot of news to report on. Uh, Melanie, yeah. what do you have to tell us? So New York City born folks can get a nine, non-binary option on their birth certificate starting today. A measure passed by the city council last September went into effect today that allows birth certificates to be updated with three options, M, F, or X. Additionally, transgender New Yorkers are uh, no longer need a letter from a doctor to correct the gender on their birth certificates. Instead, it's enough to bring in a notarized affidavit that explains that the gender marker needs to be updated to affirm one's gender identity, which that's a big thing. Um, transgender and gender nonconforming New Yorkers deserve the right to choose how they identify and to live with respect and dignity, said Mayor Bill de Blasio. I have long advocated for this gender X category option, and I am proud that New York's birth certificates are now as inclusive as our city, City Council Speaker Corey Johnson said. I hope everyone who, uh, who chooses to change their gender marker knows that our city government uh, has their back and supports their decision. Well, that's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, so how do you think, I'm just kind of, you know, if you were born in New York and you moved to, let's say, Indiana, um, and you bring this uh, birth certificate to, you know, one of our schools here, will they be confused and will they accept it? I don't know how they wouldn't accept it, but, uh, you know, I could just see, you know, a lot of problems outside of New York that, you know, man-made problems. Well, okay, so um, 15 countries, okay. now including Germany, they just got on the list uh, yesterday or today, uh, and several um, uh, U.S. states mm -hmm. now offer uh, a third option for either birth certificates or uh, state-issued IDs. So it's M or F and then X. X is usually it, or intersex sometimes they okay, put Okay, but in. and they're putting X for... X just meaning, you know, X is a placeholder, right? Okay. You solve for X. X is a placeholder, however... Uh, non-binary. So does this mean their uh, your driver's license then would represent an X on it if, as well? It could be the driver's license or it could be the birth certificate. Once you get the birth certificate that says X, uh, I would assume it, depends, it, it depends on the state and municipality mm -hmm. how that goes for the IDs. So can it stay X or then would you eventually have to either... No, no, it, it stays just, X. It yeah. could just stay X. Yeah. So then, uh, again, I could see when you come to like Indiana... Or some other Kentucky or right. <laughs> some <laughs> other state that isn't as progressive, I guess, as New York, um, that that might cause some confusion. So is, is it sort of like the gay marriage thing a few years ago when mm -hmm. some states did it, but if you came to Indiana? Yeah, I don't know because a, a, a birth certificate is usually recognized. Right. Well, right. So, well so are marriage certificates, right? Right. They're right. supposed to be. Driver's right. licenses too. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> – I think it would be recognized even if it isn't. Uh, um, yeah, it, what's going to happen is it's going to probably it's go to the go Supreme Court. Right, the, that's what's going to country. Yeah. yeah, this is going to be interesting to see kind of what happens. It's funny it what mountains people want to die on, and this is one with all the things that are going on in our world that people are concerned. Well, and there are a lot with. more uh, um, 
non-binary folk right, than, right, right. than we right. Be who think you about. Are. And they're, according to youth statistics, mm-hmm. it might outstrip uh, intersex and uh, trans folk and LGBT right. folk as, as a whole. Uh, uh, the percentage of LGBT folk is going to increase dramatically because right. uh, there are so many non-binary folk out there. And being able to live your authentic life, right. you know, it seems like they're coming out of nowhere, but they're actually, they've always right. been here. Right. And now they just get to be themselves. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's awesome all around. It's just, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to educate people, especially in New York. You know, you got not everybody's from the big city. Right. Um, you know, and there's a lot of rural places in, in New York. So, you know, making sure. Well, and, and there's bigots everywhere. So right. I don't want to always say bigots, but people that aren't necessarily educated and understand what it means. And right. I think sometimes people honestly, you know, think that they might be doing the right thing right. And, and not. So I don't want to, oh, yeah. you know, throw everybody under the bus on that one. But I could just, you know, there's... but. It's it's awesome. It's it needed to happen. Um, you know, yay for New York for being the one to kind of push that out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now let's see what happens. Oregon, California, <laughs> Washington, Washington D.C., uh-huh. uh, Maine, okay. Colorado, and of all places, Arkansas. They all do this. They like, they all do either. Okay, uh, then I am so behind. on Well, this. I know, but it's it's kind of been this underground thing. And, okay. Okay. Uh, and at least I think one person. In so the, New York is not so, the first one then uh, to not the first, but. Uh, Certainly, the it, it's it's big. It's New York. I mean, right? right? right. So, um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Then I I need to educate myself on that because I w- I wasn't aware of the other states that were involved. And there's a lot. It, it's been an underground thing. It's been a quiet thing. Because Oregon was well, just because it, number one, it, it's not something right. that affects everybody. Like how you know you're not flashing your right. your birth certificate at everybody. Right. Um, but it's it, and it's more for that person, right? Mm-hmm. And and the way that they can go through right. the world. Also, uh, really quick, the State Department uh, was refusing to issue uh, uh, passports mm-hmm. with an X, okay, uh, or with third gender, and uh, the court ruled that they can't do that. They're overreaching their authority, <coughs> so they have to issue. Uh, passports with their gender made them mad yeah so good okay well i I guess and also on the flip side of that you haven't heard a lot about it so maybe that's a good thing Mm -hmm. that you know that it's it's kind of quiet it's moving through there's really not a whole lot of pushback as much as you know like say the bathroom right issues so um because it's it's a personal it's a family decision it's something well and it's deeply affirming but it's not something that um it's not something that is uh, uh, disturbing, right? Uh, to, you know, to can, certain groups right, of people. Right. I mean, right. the things that you you see that you know, as a parent, you know, just parent with my kids are not, not young young kids, but you know, when you sign them up for baseball or soccer, yeah. and the, mm-hmm. you know, the boys and girls team, and, and nowadays you you know you, you you know teams have you know male and female on them, and and they're you know exclusive to everybody. But it'll be uh, interesting to see you know how how that works out too. Um, there's just a lot, I guess, yeah. that you know, people are gonna throw some shade one way or another. But hopefully, it'll it'll pass with everything else. So, Justin, what do you have? Well, some more good news. Uh, the Canadian dollar coin will receive a new design on the res- reverse side of the coin this year. That marks the 50th anniversary of the decriminal- decriminalization of homosexuality for adults across the country. The design was approved by current Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. 
fitting given it was his own father, Pierre Trudeau, who introduced the 1969 amendments to Canada's criminal code. These amendments decriminalized same-sex relationships in the country. The elder Trudeau, then a justice minister, said, There's no place for the state in the bedrooms of the nation. What's done in private between adults doesn't concern the criminal code. Trudeau followed in his father's footsteps, apologizing for past acts of the government against LGBTQ Canadians and allocating up to 110 million Canadian dollars to compensate those affected by the government's gay purge of Canadians employed by the state. Quote, it is with shame and sorrow and deep regret for the things we have done that I stand here today and say we were wrong. Trudeau said in a speech in the House of Commons in 2017. He continued, It is my hope that in talking about these injustices, vowing to never repeat them, and acting to right these wrongs, we can begin to heal. Both the designer and the actual design of the new Canadian dollar coin remain under wraps, a move to maximize the impact of the coin's release. Two LGBTQ organizations helped guide the design process. The coin's design was approved by the government on the 14th of December and will go into production soon. That's so powerful. That is Isn't powerful. that wonderful? Yeah. I love Justin Trudeau so much. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Just love him. Yeah, no, there's a lot to love. I even love his socks. <laughs> he always his has socks? crazy socks on. Yeah, have you noticed that? No. I, they're always like printed or they're striped. Or he has face. like little dogs. And, well, yeah. I'm I think he's trying to fun socks and, uh, <laughs> distract from his beautiful face, but no, he's a, he's a, he's a great guy. So any guesses who, I mean, I don't know a lot about Canadian history, so. Yeah, I have no idea I've, of what the design might yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do you think it'll be a person? It might be. I think I read somewhere else that it might be like two faces. Right. Like male. Yeah. Something okay. like that. Okay. Yeah. And just nondescript? I think. Just, okay, yeah. that would be good. Oh, interesting. So I, I want know. something like what would you if Frank, you could what? Franklin Mint? I want like you know enameled colors uh-huh. and stuff like that. Let's <laughs> go for broke. We could it's something really cool. Maybe we need to design our own or just a rainbow pride flag. That would back. be that cool. Would work, that yeah. would actually yeah. that yeah. would be perfect. Or yeah. Well, how long is it going to be? Fifty years from decriminalization in the United States. That was with mm-hmm. uh, yeah uh, in Texas. What is the name of that? Again? I don't know. Okay. The when they struck down the. Uh, the anti-sodomy law. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, well, they haven't struck down in Texas. There's a big fight about that still. Well, don't no, we they still did. have it that, in that was, that was uh No, the laws were struck down by the Supreme Court. Yes, but sta- the state oh, the of states Texas still have them, is yeah, still, right. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, they, they won't they take it They consider themselves their own country, right. so they don't count. So they won't take Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so we're both right. <laughs> I like when we're both we right. We both get to wear the tiaras. Yeah, so well, that'll be exciting. So we'll have to, hopefully, we, well, we do. Um, we have a connection. Um Judy, right? Yeah, Judy. So have to have right. Judy's uh, fiance um, bring all those on there. Right. Oh yeah, to represent all Canadians. Yes, and she's going to bring us a bunch of, <laughs> of coins back. So maybe next time she's on, she'll have an insight story. That's next week. Yet another Stay reason tuned to for move to next Canada. week when Judy says, <laughs> um, "Ireland." Yeah, I have a story. Uh, the Trump administration is planning a far-reaching rollback of civil rights law. An, inter- an internal Justice Department memo directed senior civil rights officials to examine how disparate impact on regulations can be changed or removed, the Washington Post reports. Disparate impact is the idea in civil rights law that a rule might be discriminatory even if it doesn't have that intent. For example, the Obama administration reached a settlement with the Lodi Unified School District in California after it found that 
several seemingly neutral policies, like allowing schools within the district to set their own disciplinary policies, and schools with a higher percentage of African-American students having tougher punishments for the same disciplinary incidents, resulted in a negative impact on black people, even though Obama administration lawyers never proved a racist intent. Disparate impact is, is a bedrock principle, said Kristen Clark, executive director of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Through the courts, we've been able to marshal data and use the disparate impact doctrine as a robust tool for ferreting out dis- discrimination. Several unnamed sources familiar with the matter told the Washington Post that the Education Department and the Department of Housing and Urban Development are also considering doing away with regulations based on disparate impact. Last month, the Trump administration's Federal Commission on School Safety released a report that rescinded 2014 Obama administration advice that schools may be guilty of racist discrimination if disciplinary procedures punish students of color more harshly than white students. The report said that disparate impact analysis, which was adopted across the government after the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, quote, cannot be squared with the Supreme Court's holdings. The 2014 guidance was formally revoked in December. One source told the Washington Post um, that the report really signals the direction that the administration is going in. So that's sort of a uh, less happy news story, but... Yes. Yeah. But we'll see. Do you think the Congress will have uh, something to say about this? Do you think they're going to hit this one up pretty quick? Oh, I I think so, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. I would hope so, yeah. Or else. Or else. Or else. else I'll... Yeah. So they got a lot lot of work to do, but yeah, yeah, this is the stuff that, uh, (coughs) you know, hopefully with the new Congress and, you know, that we can, you know... Right. Hopefully get some uh, things changed back around and we can be nice again. I'm ready for our country to be one of a nice country. Mm-hmm. It's I hope just so. a little it looks like it might. I'm, I'm, I'm getting hopeful. Okay. Yes, we're getting hopeful. <laughs> Are you, so um, Melanie over there is uh, <coughs> having a, uh, a little cough, so we're... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just I thought I would just say it instead of being kind of the elephant in the room. Um, so, anyways, um, Melanie's going to love this that she said. Oh, I don't want to read this story. And I'm like, you should read this story. And now I, you know, I'm going to say, Hey, Melanie, this is a really interesting story. Why don't you <laughs> read the story if you can't? Because maybe I Ireland scalded can. my throat with your yeah, coffee. Yeah, I know. She <laughs> 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 needed water. What did I, what does Daddy Frankie it's, do? He hands her hot. He gave her hot coffee. <laughs> I think he was giving her <laughs> Sorry. water. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It's water, yeah, okay, you know, yeah. Yeah. coming water. out of a. <laughs> he hates you, Melanie. <laughs> coming out of a thermal <laughs> vent, and the, yeah. Uh, this is live radio, so <laughs> thank God we don't have cameras. Oh, uh, so this is not a bad story. Uh, researchers may have found a three thousand year old burial site for gender diverse people. A recent study of fifty one tombs in uh, Hassanlu, a nation uh, burial complex in what is now northwestern Iran shows the burial rites likely included those for a third gender. Megan Kifarelli, an art historian from Manhattanville College, conducted a study on 51 tombs at Hassan Lu, determining that uh, objects were with, with remains in each tomb and uh, tried to draw an inference among the objects. What she found reimagines the role of gender in the area. In the study, Kifarelli found objects typically associated with women, jewelry, needles, and garment pins, that were buried with skeletons that were identified as female. Likewise, skeletal remains identified as male were found with armor, weapons, and other things that are traditionally associated with men. Roughly 20% of the tombs studied had items associated with both genders. 
In one case, a bladed weapon and a metal drinking cup expected in sites associated with male skeletons were entombed with a garment pin and a needle, which, in, which indicated feminine dress. The sex of the remains in that tomb remained undetermined, as part, the parts of the skeletal remains used to determine sex were unavailable or too damaged to examine. In a second example, an arrowhead and a garment pin were discovered, also crossing gender boundaries, as known from the culture buried uh, at Hasenlu. The social categories that appear in burials are more formal, less individualized, and generally conservative, said Kifarelli to Haaretz. It's a moment for the family to assert this person's social identity. Kifarelli's work also does not uh, tell if those with cross-gender objects did uh, so by a part of their preferred gender role or if it was a category bestowed on those with physical presentation outside of male or female, such as intersex people. There are other pieces of evidence uh, that lead one to conclude the culture at Hasenlu incorporated a third gender. A golden bowl that was previously discovered at the site includes a figure wearing female garb and sitting on the floor, a position common, commonly shown for female figures in the culture's iconography. That figure, nevertheless, also had a beard. The Hasenlu site has long been famous for a pair of embracing skeletal remains known as the Lovers. These remains were revealed through skeletal and DNA evidence to both be male. And look it up. It's very iconic. Mm -hmm. you, you've probably seen it somewhere. Seen it. I, I love the skeletons. And mm -hmm. then to see, uh, you know, how LGBT history right. is is coming out through archaeology, through anthropology. Right. And uh, we've been around forever, obviously, but it's nice to have a little bit of right. evidence. Well, just don't yeah. expect for them to teach that. To our children in school. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's our job too. Still working on evolution. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, well, the world is flat, you know. But, <laughs> so the flat Earth Society has members around the globe. Around the globe. <laughs> <laughs> That's a so good one. So <laughs> this is this is a pretty cool. So I just came across this story today, and I thought this was you know with everything going on, um, you know it's with with LGBTQ history and you yeah. know all the, the things that are happening or were happening in December. And, and you know, from South Asia and Central Asia, uh, they've had a long history of, of third gender mm -hmm. uh, or mm -hmm. more uh, uh, people. Native Americans as well. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, first a nation. lot of ancient cultures had. Yeah. Um, Pakistan just had its first uh, uh, trans project. Yeah, I just yeah, saw that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it continues on. So, mm -hmm. so A lot of news for non-binary folks yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah. 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 Great. So which is which great. Which is awesome. Again, you know, you, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, as I'm stuttering all over the place, but I, I think, I, you know, when, when Trump was first elected and we had talked about just this is that, you know, will we start, you know, um, you know, talking more about transgender, you know, individuals and will we see them elected and, you know, what will happen? I mean, everybody was scared. Remember we talked about yeah. with your, you know, having a conversation with your kids about you know, just do we have an escape plan? Oh, yeah. You know, what do we, we were I, and do you still feel that way? with how oh, things are going now? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Yes and no. Yeah, yes. It's so yes you're supposed no. to say. It's too early. Let me tell you what you're supposed <laughs> to say. That's what I was going to say. It's too it early. It wasn't in the yeah, script. It's too I early. Mean, <laughs> we're all hopeful, right? Right, we are right. hopeful. I mean, we but, but things are happening. Seen a lot of horrible things, no, things too. Are, are, but the thing is that, you know, we are able to, you know, we're, we're coming out of it. Right. And we're, mm -hmm. we're, 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 Running for office, we're being elected. Right. Um, we're, we're voices are being heard. You know, we have the cuckoo man up at the top, but he's you know hopefully his he's gonna. 
but the va- I, I feel that the vast majority of Americans are really just you know loving and accepting mm-hmm. and um and it, it's it's the bad few right right, right. that are, are kind of spoiling it right um, I, but I I feel nothing but you know love walking down the streets and right. going shopping and mm-hmm. wherever I, I don't I don't really feel that uh, antagonism so much so right. Right. Well, good. Hey, I think what we'll do is take a music break and do our community minutes, and then we'll have uh, Senator J.D. Ford on. Yay. So that's exciting. So stay tuned. I don't know the language, all the words mean fear. This land is sinking as I try to get clear. Knowledge and wisdom. The answer's right here. Burn the sage and sow a seed. Nobody left to feed. Coast to coast. Right, left, right, left. Come tumbling down to the sea I know your language But I wish it were silence The seas are sown in all the small acts of violence I was just so tired Too tired to say a thing Kept my head down Eyes closed and let freedom ring We let freedom ring
WFHB would like to thank our listeners and donors of our year-end fun drive in person tomorrow night at 26 in the mix. WFHB's birthday celebration at the Orbit Room. The party starts at 9 p.m. Come celebrate with food and libations, view a glimpse of WFHB's history, and enjoy the sounds of WFHB DJ mixing records live. The Orbit Room is located at 107 North College, Bloomington, on the square. Donations will be accepted but not required. Thank you for 26 years of Bloomington Community Radio. And with that, we'll go back to Blooming Out. This is Frankie with WFHB, uh, Blooming Out. And on the phone today, we have uh, J.D. Ford, who's now Senator Ford with District 29. Um, Ford is the first openly uh, gay senator or state senator for Indiana, and we're very excited. Um, he was elected in November 6th of 2018, and um, today will be his first uh, go-around in the state legislators le- legislation. So we're uh, excited to be uh, with him today and kind of find out a little bit about who uh, Senator Ford is. So again, thank you, uh, Senator Ford, for being with us. Is Are you used to people calling you Senator Ford now? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. And uh, it's, it's taken a little, you know, getting used to, but um, but certainly I'm excited and very grateful to be here. So they can call me whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> just not late for dinner, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, we'd like to just kind of, you know, for our listeners out there and um, the Blooming Out uh, world would like to know a little more about you. So we're interested in, you know, first off of kind of hearing about who you are and what brought you up to, you know, to this point of, of being a senator. Um, you know, what, what got you started? What, what were the things that kind of, uh, you know, I, I guess got the, the blood curdle, or not curdling, I should say. That's not that's not a good image. Blood flow. um, flowing. is probably better. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, you know, for me, it was, uh, you know, just went to one of uh, my former opponent's town halls and uh, just was kind of dissatisfied with how he carried himself and how he you know, interacted with constituents um, and, uh, you know, just thought, you know what, I, I can do this better. Uh, so then I went down to a state Senate session and actually watched uh, folks in action and uh, realized that, you know, we really ought to have a legislature that looks like Indiana. Uh, and I didn't see that uh, down here in Indianapolis uh, at the state house. Um, and then kind of looking into it a little bit more, uh, found out that we don't have any out-serving members um, of our legislature. So um, kind of all those things combined, you know, and in consultation with friends and family and folks just saying, well, if you don't do it, who's going to do it? Um, so that's kind of what led me to throw my hat in the ring. And this is uh, actually my second time running for office. I ran for office, same uh, district um, in 2014 and lost um, by just a few thousand votes. So this time uh, I was much more prepared uh, as a candidate. I kind of I knew the issues, I knew the people, um, and uh, you know, and having a second time, you you learn so much. So I was fully prepared uh, to go um, pretty much on day one. Right. So what what was uh, is this something? Is your is your family politically um, involved, or is this something that you've you know through college maybe that you um, 
found a passion for? Was there one key out moment that was like, you know, hey, I, I would like to, to do this or this is something that that's interested interesting yeah, it's, a, it's a little bit of both um you know my grandparents uh were elected officials when i was a young boy so you know i remember being out at the restaurant or the bank or you know the grocery store and just having folks come up to them and say you know hey thank you for the work that you do in the community and i just remember thinking how cool that my grandparents were, were helping people as a job uh i went to school and studied political science and did an internship uh in the senate so that also kind of gave me another foundation for, you know, what state government does and how impactful it can be on people's lives. Right. So then once you uh, kind of formed, a, a, you know, your your, uh, your election committee and, and got going. So do you have the same group of people that were working with you back in 2014? Or did you have some changeover or you have this, the same folks sticking with you throughout? To... Uh, yeah, that's a good question. It's a, It was a little bit of both. Um, you know, I had a, a core group of people that volunteered for me in 2014, and uh, they kind of stuck with me, uh, you know, through the 2018 cycle. My very first meeting that I had with them, um, this was back in May of 2017, to see if I wanted to kind of try and do this again, um, and I had about 50 people show up, um, and so that really showed me that uh, I had friends and family that were behind me. Nice. So then off you went. So what was different um, for this campaign? You know, you mentioned a little bit about the 2014, but what do you do you think it had something to do with kind of the the Trump um, element of it? Or do you think um, that, you know, your district was really just ready for something different than what, you know, the representation was for for that point? Yeah, um, I, I honestly think it, it was a combination of three different things. I think the first thing was uh, the national conversation really kind of drove people out. Uh, I think the uh, the guy that I was running against was one of the most extreme members of our General Assembly. Um, and then I think the last piece of this is that people really respected, you know, what I was saying out on the campaign trail. Um, I campaigned on what I call the five E's, which was education, the economy, elections, equality, and the environment. And I stuck to that message throughout the entire campaign so people knew exactly what I stood for. So a combination of those three things. So in that – so what was kind of one of the more shocking things as you were going through the the campaign as far as like um, what you were hearing from people? Maybe not shocking, but just an, an over, you know, just, uh, you know, kind of a turnabout that, you know, with, with – yeah. Yeah, it really had nothing to do with legislation or anything of that regard. What really shocked me and surprised me the most was when people would say things like, you know what, I'm not interested in hearing what you had to say, or I don't care about our government, I don't care about, you know, things like that. And it was just kind of like a knife to the heart, you know, right. because I live, eat, and sleep it. But also, too, I mean, you know, the, the decisions that are being made out of the state house coming up here in this 2019 session will impact people all across our state. Right. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, when people say that they just didn't care, uh, I just tried to ask them to reconsider that position. And then if they still didn't care, then to me, I just had to move on. Right. right. Did you find any kind of like uh, fallout, not fallout, but just uh, when you, you know, as you were campaigning around and talking to people and, you know, people can be hateful, you know, uh, when it comes to sexuality. Sure. Um, how, how did you meet that when you had somebody that, you know, you were just trying to kind of win over or, you know, let them know who you are and you're not just, you know, a gay guy, but you're, yeah. <laughs> you don't have necessarily an agenda um, sure. on, on yeah, that. I can honestly tell you guys that. 
I can count on my hand how much of that was an issue for the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that I talked to over the course of the campaign. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, public support is obviously growing for LGBTQ plus issues. Um, you know, most of us have a family member, friend um, who is a part of the community. And so I, I just think that, you know, the more and more, um, you know, we're, we talk about it, the more and more people see me and see that I'm just a regular everyday person, um, that it just becomes normal. And, and frankly, you know, that's, that's what I hope is that we don't have to, to worry about these labels anymore, that we can just see each other as human beings. Right, right. Yeah. So how does it, you know, as you're walking in, I mean, you're, you're be- meeting the Democrats and the Republicans and everybody else in between. How's that been going as far as, did you feel welcome? Do you feel like, you know, this is yeah. a, a group of individuals that you're going to be able to, to work with as you go forward? Yeah, absolutely. The I mean, you guys have to understand, like, walking into the State House for me is like walking into Disney World every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just so grateful and honored to be here, and um, and I just don't ever want to lose sight of the fact that people of the 29th District sent me here to do their work. So that's the first thing that I would say. And the second thing I'll tell you is most surprising to me is that the amount of my Republican colleague senators who have come up to me and said, you know, we're excited for you, we're excited that you're here, uh, we want to work with you. Uh, and we're just not saying that to say that, um, you know, we're, that's because you have to understand for me coming off of a brutal campaign, um, you know, I was still kind of in the headspace of not trusting the other side, right, right. Right. Uh, you know, so to have them say that was really refreshing, to be honest with you. So you're, you're feeling good about kind of moving forward and, and having those conversations out there. Yeah, I do. That's great. So I guess we can kind of get into the meat of, um, you know, the, the the first part of the legislation that's going to be happening. And one of the um, topics that uh, just came out recently in the last uh, couple of days was the hate crime bill um, okay. with, uh, I guess, Bray, um, you know, kind of jumped into that one. Um, wh- what is your, your thoughts on, on, on that and, and how do we move forward on that? Because I know that's, you know, a part of your campaigning was, sure. you know, talking about hate, you know, crime. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the issues that, you know, we campaigned on. And, um, you know, it's uh, first I, I look at it from uh, two perspectives in regards to the hate crime issue. Number one. Um, to me, it's the right thing to do uh, because it involves, um, you know, human beings. Um, so that that's the first thing. And the second thing, from an economic standpoint, um, it's really fascinating to me to see all of our business community leaders come out, as well as our public and private colleges and universities here in our state, you know, basically saying, you know, we want to see a, a hate crimes legislation passed in the next General Assembly session on top of what Governor Holcomb has been saying. So, um, you know, we're one of 45 states uh, that doesn't have it, um, and I think it's time we get it done and, you know, close this chapter and move on so we can start talking about the real issues uh, in our state that's really kind of, um, you know, like the DCS crisis um, as well as the opioid crisis. So that's that's what I would say about that. So how, you know, I, I know that they were, you know, kind of, you know, pulled it out and, and threw it in, what, a committee, right? Um, to make yeah, it a little more that was a, Yeah, I should say, I think I misspoke there on the last one. We're one right. of five states. Uh, yeah, five. There's five. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so, so Senator Bray did a procedural move. He uh, assigned it to the Rules Committee, which uh, most of the politicos inside the State House know that that's where legislation goes to die. And I really do think that it needs to be heard and it needs to get a fair hearing and, and discuss it and debate it and, and talk about it. Um, just to kind of put it in the Rules Committee, even before session starts, I think was – 
uh, not the right thing to do. Right. right. Well, last year I'd gone a lot farther, SB uh, 418. Correct. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I actually feel like on this particular issue, we're going backwards. That's a good point, Melanie. You exactly. That, you know, the, it came out of committee at least. Um, and got a and got a hearing, but this year we're not even getting that. So I feel like we're we're going backwards on that issue. And that that's what hurts too. I I and I wanted to bring up another thing. So SB four eighteen last year uh, was just one of uh, I think two or three that uh, had been floated, but that was the one that they really latched onto as they were going to uh, uh, work that through. And the problem with that bill was it didn't actually have any teeth. It didn't have any sentencing requirements. It didn't have anything but uh, uh, recognition and report. So um, have you been able to see any of the bills? Do you know what they, they're about? I mean, if they were even to see the light of day? Um, I know Senator Taylor usually has um, um, a hate crimes bill. Uh, Senator Taylor is a Dem- in the Democrat caucus, and um, you know his bill would would actually make it part of, you know, extenuating circumstance, no, excuse me, aggravating um, enhancement. Uh, uh-huh. so, uh, so meaning that the judge can add more time to what is already happening. Um, and, and that's the whole thing, right? We want to be able to deter this from happening, make, send a strong message to people, uh, not only in our state, but to the country that, you know, Indiana isn't going to be a state that tolerates hate. Uh, my district, um, in District 29, we had, we had a synagogue that was vandalized mm-hmm. by um, a young man who, when he was arrested by the FBI, said, I wanted to disrupt the prayer service. That's hateful. Right. Uh, his intention was to do that. He did that. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you look at it, he just spray-painted the synagogue. So, I mean, if you, if you think about that, that's just vandalism. But... Uh, a judge could take a look at this and say, you know what, you get more because of what you did. It's vandalism, but it's also it's an attack during service. It's a it's a it's right. an intent to uh, cause more than just physical. You know, it's not physical harm. It's psychological harm. It's absolutely. It's a, a Can you imagine? Um, you know, those folks showing up to to service and seeing something like that. That's, that's horrifying. Yeah. It, so what can you do on your side to try to pull this out so it doesn't die? I mean, is it a point of going around and having all those kind of backroom conversations? I know a lot of the business community, um, you know, supports this legislation passing um, and, you know, money, money talks. Um, right. You know, we uh, saw that with Pence when he tried to do some of his things. <laughs> yeah, right. Um and and you know it it seems like you know if if people are looking to you know you know keep the economy moving along in Indiana and and attracting businesses from out of states and keeping people you know here in in our state um you know this is something that's that that important. Um do you feel that your um you know the other legislators are are going to um, be able to hear you on that side, or do you think it's such a, um, a a difficult subject for them to talk about that they just don't want to talk about? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, uh, I'm gonna I'm here, so I'm definitely gonna make the most of it, and and I'll talk to whoever uh, to try and you know hopefully get them to see why this is so important and why our business leaders and our governor and community leaders are are calling for this. Um, you know, there, there's just, you know, some things in the bill that I'm also very troubled about, um, you know, so uh, looking at, you know, right now, as, as, as it stood, you know, political affiliation was, um, you know, in that bill, uh, p- 
police officers and their families was in the bill. Um, you know, so that some of that stuff I, I thought was a little troubling language. But um, but for the most part, I think you know what what normal folks can do is contact their legislators um, and let them know their thoughts on this issue. Uh, I can tell you that you know my office has already been contacted by people reaching out saying. Uh, on both sides, uh, yes, we want it, or no, we don't want it. And I think, you know, if if other le- legislators are kind of doing what I do and you know watching the phone calls and emails, then uh, then that's really important. So yeah, so that's um, so. How long do people have to really kind of um, act on this? You know, if people are listening to the the program and they they want to call their legislators to um, you know voice their thoughts. Um, how long, starting now, do they have until this is you know dies. Yeah, I mean, I would say contact them immediately um, because, you know, we're, you know, still before session. Um, I think when this is aired, it it will be the day of session. So you'll still have some time and hopefully we can, you know, get some folks to to see that this is an important issue for our state. Um, I would would hate to to go through this legislative session um, and still have it be sitting in the rules committee where you know things go to be terminated. So. Yeah, I mean it was really exciting when when I first had read about it. You know, this time around, and the governor was you know throwing so much you know support in its way, and I was very surprised. You know, and I'm usually not caught off. I just assumed. I just felt it was had to go at this time. It's, it seems like so I thought we were moving in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. For a time and, and, you know, and, and all the right things. And, you know, I think the legislator supports the governor and a lot of things that he does. And it'll just be kind of interesting to see, you know, how he is able to pull this office, um, you know, because obviously this is important for him as well. Yeah, so, I agree with that. So getting people on, again on both parties, but especially on the Republican Party to understand how how important this bill is to yeah. to pass for for so many different reasons. Right, and that it, it seemed to me uh, kind of an act of you know R- Roderick Bray is new to the to the Senate president position. Maybe he's just trying to, and and I'm not asking for a, a, a comment from you on this uh, because you have to work with him but uh, <laughs> but you know that it's one of those hey I'm here and I'm going to you know kind of make a show this is this is my uh, you know entrance uh, which doesn't seem like it's a very wise one to me but anyway yeah. I, th- I think you know I've met with Senator Bray uh, briefly um, and he seems very level-headed and seems you know like he's you know, trying to do what's right. I honestly think that um, that folks on the other side of the aisle are worried about a RIFRA-style backlash um, from from this, and so uh, you know, and, and I hope that 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 worry is not what's what's keeping folks from moving this. So, could you explain that a little more to our listeners? What that might mean? Yeah. So, uh, in 2015, when Governor Mike Pence signed into law the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Um, you know, in you know, there were businesses, there were conventions. Uh, the governor of Connecticut banned travel from state employees uh, from even coming to Indiana because we were seen as a state that promoted hate. Right. Um, so uh, there was a rally at the state house where uh, there was three thousand people here, basically protesting, and it really casted Indiana into a negative light, not just in the nation, but really to the world. Uh, the, the, the state of Indiana, Governor Pence, then Governor Pence had to hire a public relations firm to help kind of pull Indiana out of this tailspin. Um, and so I think that's really what they're worried about. And 
uh, I, I just think that if we just do the right thing and get it done, then they don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah so many of these other states have, have passed it and they still exist. Yeah, exactly <laughs> and, right. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see on just economically, you know, how that's affected them. And I'm sure it would, I don't have numbers in front of me, but I'm sure, you know, it'll show mostly positive. Right. Um, you know, when, when you're nice and caring and accepting to under other human beings um, and support them. Long way, doesn't it? Yeah, it goes a long way. Stuff again, we learn in kindergarten, you know, or yeah. we should learn. But when the big boys get up there and girls, they kind of forget about uh, some of the, the lessons out there. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a quick question. And sure. Can you please describe your district? And you know, we throw around the numbers, but people don't, you know, yeah, that, that's definitely. hard to yeah. conceptualize. I have uh, District 29, and so that's the western side of Carmel, uh, the downtown area of Zionsville. Pike Township and Wayne Township. So that's the northwest and west side of Indianapolis. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I really wanted to get into one of those E's that you were talking about, uh, education. Okay. And uh, in that, we had some news today that just dropped that you had filed your first bit of legislation, and it doesn't seem to be one to disappoint. Uh, could you please tell us about that? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, so my very first bill... Uh, is a bill for uh, in-state tuition for um, our immigrant folks here in our state. Uh, and, uh, you know, my again, you know, my former opponent, um, you know, I really thought he made his mission to attack that community. And so uh, this is very symbolic to the community that elections matter, mm-hmm. that I've listened to them on the campaign trail. Um, but more importantly, it just makes common sense to me. You know, why are we punishing uh, folks who want to obtain an education, who want to better our state. I mean, these are going to be our future doctors, lawyers, uh, skilled technicians. So uh, for them to pay out-of-state tuition is just an exorbitant amount of money. Um, And I really hope that this bill gets a hearing, and I really hope that it passes so it would be beneficial to many, many people. Great. Good luck with that. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's that's exciting. (laughs) And I also have another question, education-related. Yes. And back to the uh, LGBT uh, front. Um, a lot of kids are coming out today. We have uh, uh, we had a girl from, uh, was it Spencer? Come on. Yeah. A little so, bit ago, yeah, 18-year-old right. girl, I said, young woman. Young woman. And, uh, and she was talking about uh, the problems they were having in uh, Owen County mm. uh, with, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this uh, stuff going on here. Uh, the high school principal was stonewalling uh, the establishment of a GSA, even with overwhelming support from uh, teachers and groups. Uh, and that seems to be uh, something that they really are having a, a hard time pushing through uh, just to help the kids get together and, and you know do what GSAs do. Right. Um, and then there was the, the highly publicized one. Again, it hit national news uh, for East Allen uh, County mm-hmm. and Fort Wayne. Uh, it was a GSA was forbidden from uh, using the words gay, lesbian, bi, transgender, or even the word or the term GSA um, in their in their uh, publications or in advertising for themselves. Uh, instead, it's a uh, uh, was it Leo Pride Alliance, where Pride is an acronym for professionalism, respect, integrity, diligence, and excellence. Uh, but the club is forbidden to meet outside of a single classroom or participate in school uh, fundraisers. 
the ACLU has jumped in on that uh, for uh, with the kids uh, to to try to kind of force their hand and and it seems a lot like the Russian style anti-gay prop, uh, propaganda law uh, that was passed years ago that's caused nothing but trouble. So the kids seem to be in a uh, in, in the state fighting an uphill battle again. Yeah. Um, GSAs were kind of uh, the thing that was just coming about. They were rolling across the nation. They seemed to be something that was really positive. But now with Betsy DeVos coming in, and she's withdrawn guidelines for supporting and protecting LGBTQIQ students, uh, students of color, and students with disabilities. And you know these were put in place sometimes in the Obama administration, sometimes earlier. Uh, and she's just rolled these back, uh, leaving these kids kind of in a, a limbo state. What can we do, uh, do you think, and maybe um, putting you on the spot a bit, but uh, what do you think can be done? What, what are your views on that? And what do you think can be done on a state level? Uh, I know they have local, uh, you know, school corporations have local guidelines sometimes, sometimes, yeah. but it's spotty. But yeah. to protect all the students in Indiana um, from from the rollback of this. Yeah, I first of all, I just, uh, I hope that if any of those kids are listening to the program, keep fighting. Uh, anything worth that you want to do is worth fighting for, so keep going. Um, you know, before my arrival to the legislature, you know, kids didn't see anybody like me here. Um, and uh, when I won, we had people from all over our state, you know, reach out um, and just say, you know, thank you so much. You, you are now a voice for me, uh, you know. Uh, so I, I'm really excited, you know, to be here and to help with this conversation. Um, and, and to me, you know, the GSAs, you know, that's a place where these kids can go and just be authentic and be themselves. Uh, it's, it's hard enough, and, you know, being a, a student these days, especially with, you know, cell phones. Um, you know, when I was in school, you maybe got, I got teased, uh, maybe at school, maybe on the bus. But when I got home, I didn't have a cell phone where it was 24-7. Well, now it is. Um, and that there is a reason why that our LGBTQ youth suicide rates are through the roof here in Indiana, yeah. um, because we have, you know, stuff like this going on. So I would just say for, you know, for those folks, you know, to keep fighting and, um, and, you know, whatever I can do, uh, to help, you know, I would just want people to reach out to me. Great. Thank you. Yeah, there's just a lot going on with that, and I, you know, I, I think people don't understand. And you, you hit the nail on the head about the suicide rates, and I think the legislation has ignored that. I mean, just hard, you know, facts. And you know, when we talk about abuse, <laughs> and we we're trying to encourage our, our children to to have not only you know parents but teachers, um, including the legislation out there that supports children of of all, you know, and and to you know hopefully that will will we'll, you know take a, a a turn where we'll be able to you know maybe have legislation that will um, come forward where people will understand that this this is important to you know to, to so many out there and sure. you know and I, I know a lot of people and I'm sure it's probably going to be a bit stressful if it isn't already because they'll look at you for kind of that guy yeah. um, because there's not many ears up there 
um, that people feel like they can can talk to. But at least if it's if it's beginning to, you know, you can start it. Senator Ford, we really appreciate you coming on. We've all here at uh, Blooming Out, we're, we're very excited when we, you know, saw the election results and that you had uh, pulled it off and won. We, we were just, you know, we applauded. And Jubilant. We were. Yeah. And we had been talking since, since your birthday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about having you on. And, you know, and, yeah. and so it's an honor for all of us here at the station Absolutely. to be able to be speaking with you now. And well, it's thank exciting. you very much. I appreciate that. And I really do appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you about, you know, my journey and just uh, you know, what I'm looking forward to in the 2019 session. So thanks for having me. Yeah, and yeah, we'll be uh, staying uh, connected because we would love to have you back on yeah. as this right. progresses forward to kind of just get your insight and on how things are going. You offered, so yeah. you know, we're going to hold you to it. Yes, I would love to do that. Okay. Well, again, thank you. I know you're a busy man and you got a lot to do, so we really appreciate you taking the time and, thank you so and much. spending it with yep. us. Take care. Okay, thank good night. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back um, to Blooming Out. Uh, you were just listening listening to Senator uh, J.D. Ford, um, an interview Melanie and I did yesterday. Um, he's such a good interviewee. Yes, and he's really likable. And I, and he seems like he really wants to listen to people and what their you know their problems and concerns yeah. are. And he he seems like really knowledgeable and ready to like help. When yes. Can. Yeah, and he's fired up and seems you know. like a good yes, guy. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and a great interview, you two. Oh, you asked thanks. some really good questions. Well, it, we it was just we kind of just went with it on that right. one. Um, we did a little research. Not you two. Not us. Not us. Just, but I was just really uh, grateful for him to be here, and we'll have him on again. We talked uh, about that in the interview and and afterwards. So. Um, we are out of time. I'm getting the signal to go. Um, <laughs> thank you, Senator Ford. We look forward to having you on again. Um, and thanks to all of our listeners and volunteers for making this possible. I'm Melanie Davis. I'm Ireland Meacham. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Presloff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. Blooming, Out is, Blooming Out's community liaison is Alex Ashkin. Our interns are Jasper Tony, Ireland Meacham, and Wen Yen Lee. For Blooming out and WFHB. I'm Justin Robertson. I'm Frankie Presslaff, and remember, if everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Good night from your Blooming Out family. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is blooming O-U-T at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening.